Welcome to the Heavy Lifting Podcast with Ravi Lula. Uh, this is normally a Meathead Monday, but today it's going to be a Movie Monday edition of the podcast. And with me today to discuss said movie is Kyle Emke from the Men in the Tub podcast. Men in a tub, excuse me. Correct. Yeah. Men in a tub podcast. Only one tub. You, yeah, it's singular tub, multiple men. The way God intended it. Um, <laughs> uh, the, you can find them where, Kyle? Uh, Meninatub.com, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. all of them. Twitch, yeah. Twitch. Twitch is a big one. We stream live on Thursday nights. So. Thursday nights at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Nine o'clock yep. So make sure you check them out. You can find them on Facebook as well, Men in a Tub. Uh, it's very entertaining stuff. I've been on a couple times myself. Yeah. Very much enjoy it, especially if you, and I don't mean to take it, if you enjoy the nerd culture, mm-hmm. uh, video games, movies, yep. all that good stuff, terrific podcast, and uh, they know what they're doing and they're super entertaining. So uh, go and check them out wherever you get podcasts or videos or whatever you want, really. Yeah, I'm glad that you want to talk about movies because I would have nothing to <laughs> offer for Meathead Monday. <laughs> I mean, listen, you were involved with the uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa Western football team for a while as a broadcaster, right? Yeah. That's a little yeah. meat-heady. I mean, I suppose I, I, mean, I was like around it. It's meathead adjacent. It's adjacent, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to put muscle on. That's very evident. Uh, I just know how to drink soda and put you know, weight on in the wrong ways. I mean, it's still bulking. It's, it's a, true. It's a dirty bulk. It's but a dirty bulk, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's still a bulk. It's how, it's how I like it. It's like, uh, like it's, it's always that. You're cultivating mass. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but it's, you know, I feel like movies, music, I feel like it all kind of goes into the bro culture type, right. you know, then that's kind of what we're going for here. Sure. We're trying to... Show that you can be a, a bro without being a douche, and yeah. that's that's what we're going for. So absolutely, you can. Now people might think I'm a douche, and I might be failing miserably at that goal. But <laughs> <laughs> there's, I can't, I don't know, I can't tell. My all my reviews are five stars so far. There so I think you're doing all right. I think it's just my mom on like eight different email addresses, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Uh, that's how it works. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine told me, actually, that he didn't have time to listen to the podcast because he was working, so he played it on mute just so I got the play, and I was like, you are a good friend. That's the way to do it. Shout out yeah. to my guy, Stoney. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Exactly. If you got a friend that podcasts, <laughs> even if you can't watch it, just play it on mute. Just play it on just mute. Play it, on video, play it in the background. Video. Hook them up. Exactly. Right? Get them those clicks. Get it. <laughs> No, I. Uh, uh, but we're gonna get to the Joker today, mm-hmm. and Kyle and I both saw it last week. I saw it on opening night. I went with my brother Raj. Shout out to Raj and Fruitful Design for giving us the space we're recording in right now. Yep. Uh, but and then you saw it what, a couple days ago. I saw it on Tuesday. Okay, so still fairly fresh for both of us. Yeah. And I do want to let you know this is there's gonna be spoilers. We're not. We're not holding anything back. We're going to talk about everything in the movie that we find relevant. So if you haven't seen it yet, press pause right now. I don't know if I want to endorse you to go see it, but go see it. <laughs> and then and then come back and listen to the podcast. All right? That's your warning. There will be spoilers. I'm not saying it again. All right? So that's, that's your last, this is your last chance to get out. 
Right. Which I, again, or maybe just put it on mute, let it play so I still get the play. Yeah. And then come back and listen to it again with volume once you've right. seen it. Exactly. Hook a brother up. Um, no, so... Extra clicks. <laughs> we, uh... We were starting a little bit before we got on the pod here, and you said to me, you were a fan, right? And I, I said, no, not at all. Uh, so that, that's where we'll start. I hated it. It's a good place to start. I thought it was terrible. And Kyle, you enjoyed it. Correct? I enjoyed it. I did. What did you enjoy about it? Because in, when I was sitting there watching it... I, I just sat there after the two hours. I was like, wow, that was not enjoyable in any way. Yeah, and I think that was part of the reason that I didn't it, enjoy it. It's it wasn't, a, it it's wasn't a tough, like a... It's a tough watch. Yeah, it's not like a feel-good or no. you like are like, oh, yeah, that was great. Like I liked it in the standpoint that it told a villain story. It didn't necessarily make you want to empathize or like no. like be a fan of them. No, it, it's not like at all. You could see why things unraveled in the way that they did for him. Um, but I really, I really liked it. I felt like it was shot in a much different way than comic book movies usually are. Yep. So. Like, I, I kept finding or hearing little things, like, anytime they'd mention Thomas Wayne's name or Gotham or this or that, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is this is a DC movie. It this didn't is... feel like... It didn't feel like a comic book movie. Not at all. And it barely felt like a Joker movie, even though he is in clown makeup a lot of the film. Right. Um, so, let me start by saying this. I did not enjoy it. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was very good. Very good performance yes. by Joaquin Phoenix. I'm not taking anything away there. I thought it was very beautifully shot. Like, mm-hmm. the, the visual of it was incredible. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of... It, it really captured... And I get it's Gotham, but it captured, like, the gritty 70s New York feel. Right. Uh, it reminded me of, of American Hustler. and that Or not American Hustler. The Yeah, the one with Denzel. Is that American Hustler? Uh, American Gangster. Uh, gangster, American yeah. Gangster. American Hustle was... Was the, the other Batman? Yes, that was Christian yeah. Bale and Jeremy Renner and and all those and yeah. uh, all those guys. Yeah. So uh, American Gangster with Denzel. It reminded okay. me a lot of that when they would show uh, the scenes with Russell Crowe in New York trying to right. track him down. It remind, reminded me of that, like the grittiness and the the griminess of sure. a large city that is being consumed by crime. Right. And so, great job capturing that. Uh, great job. Again, with the acting performances, my problem was I felt I just didn't feel like there was a point. Yeah, there wasn't really a point. And that's than, hard for me. Like, if I'm, yeah. I'm going to endure something like that, I need there to be a point. Sure. And I I mean, I guess, I guess to some degree, like, as I was watching it, like, I felt like the, the whole point of the movie was to get you to the to the end result where he fully accepts the moniker of Joker. Sure. Um, which, to me, I mean, when you start off with a person that's already kind of down on his luck anyway, you're just basically sitting there for the two hours watching it unravel because you already know what the end sure. of the movie is supposed to be. Theoretically, Theoretically you know yeah. the end game, right? Yeah. So here's, here's where my other issues come into play. So... There was parts of the movie that play out that are later made clear that were all in his head. Yes. Right? And so 
as I'm thinking about how the movie played out, mm-hmm. where he starts in the counseling uh, at the mental facility, it ends with the counseling at the mental facility, I wondered to myself, was all of it in his imagination? Was it all his fantasy? Right? Because the movie starts off with, you know, he's reading, he shows the journal to the therapist. Right. And there's homicidal fantasies and stuff in there. And then you see the movie where he plays out several different homicides and whatever. And, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, kills his mother, kills a talk show host, kills random people. And then it ends again with him in the hospital, in the mental facility. And she says, you don't get the joke. Right. There's a part of me that believes none of that happened. Interesting. In which case, viewing it and there not being a point and the chance that none of it actually happened was like, well, what was I here for? <laughs> you know? So I guess maybe I'm, I'm not quite remembering the beginning. I thought that it started with him on the street corner with the twirling sign. And that was the very, very beginning. Okay. was okay. with that. But pretty but soon after that, he's office. in the office with the therapist right. who had him do the journaling and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's not the first scene of the gotcha. movie, okay. per se. Right. But pretty quickly, that establishes his sure. mental health condition. Oh, yeah. I mean, his mental health condition is, like... The focal point of the movie, really. Front and center yes. the entire way through. Um, and, and you talked about how there was the the parts that you find out at the end are yeah. hallucinations. Sure. Was that something that you saw coming? It was when the with the talk show host with Murray. Yes, that part I was like, this isn't real. He's imagining this. Yeah, in the moment, the part because then they cut back out to him sitting, yes. sitting there watching TV. I I was the same yeah. way. That one I was like, that doesn't that no, doesn't feel is, like a thing that this happened. was a quick transition that yeah. wouldn't make sense. Um, and then, but the other part with the love interest. Mm-hmm. While I was watching it, I was like, it doesn't make sense that she's with him. Right. Like, in the hospital with his mom. That was where I, I was, was like, the why most, is like, she this doesn't there. make sense. Yeah. Now, I didn't immediately think he's hallucinating this. Right. But I was like, this doesn't add up. Right. So I knew there was something off about it, right? Well, it felt off in, in general. I mean... Yes, just right off the bat. Here's a pretty normal-seeming normal yeah, who's, like... 15, 20 years younger than him. At least 10, yeah. has a weird interaction in the elevator in the hall. Yep. And then they're going to fall in love. Right. And, like, she's just going to accept him in when he opens up the door and starts kissing her. And yep. it, at, at the moment that it's revealed, it's like, okay. You're like, okay. of course I'm that like, wasn't real because yeah. none of that made sense. Yeah, it didn't It didn't quite make sense but I went with it because it was like it just... It played out over several out. scenes yeah. too, right? It wasn't like the, the Murray scene, the Murray Franklin scene. Is that his name? Murray Franklin? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, the talk show host scene mm-hmm. played out in a few minutes. That was one scene. Right. It and they capped it on both ends. They capped it on both yeah. ends with him watching TV and you're like, okay, that was easy to figure out. That wasn't right. real. But... The scene with the quote-unquote love interest played out over the middle third of the movie, yeah. basically, which was why it was harder for me to be like, okay, was this real? Was this not real? Yeah. It was a lot more difficult in that sense because there wasn't a clear beginning and end of the hallucination, which to me is part of the reason I am led to believe that the whole thing was a hallucination because... 
he clearly has no grasp on what's real and what's not. To me, that's that's what I gather right. from the interactions with the girl. Yeah, but at the same time, as he walks into her, it, when he when he breaks into her apartment, and then that's where you realize, oh, this this hasn't been real. It's almost like he still knows. It's just he's kind of thought through these situations of what he what he would or could do because he seems like he's very much the I'm not necessarily going to step out and and act on these things right throughout most of the, like most of the movie feels like he's struggling with the am I going to act out on this or yeah. am I not like and then it finally just tips enough for him that he acts he out starts on things. acting yeah. on things correct yeah and that's really that switches in the subway scene right. where he fights it's off like, and kills the, I'm not going to fight these dudes and take it I'm going to just shoot them yeah which again that's where I start to have questions about whether or not it's real or whether or not it's fantasy just because I mean and maybe it's just the you know the suspension of disbelief in movies or whatever where he becomes I mean, earlier in the film, it makes it very clear he's never handled a gun before. Right. Just by his interactions with the weapon. Right. And then all of a sudden, he's a pretty good shot right away. Yeah. In the subway where he's, you know, he guns down the one guy from distance that's running away from him. Right. You know, that. And so I don't know. To me, that all kind of lends into this is his fantasy. Sure. Where he, you know is able to quickly pick up this skill that he's never had right. before. You know, that yeah. type of thing leads into it. That was um, for sure the most, like, comic book yes. moment. Is just the jump. like, oh, I'm able to do this. And not only that, but to have the, I guess, physical strength to fight them off long enough to shoot them. Because right. it's made also very clear in the movie how thin and fragile he is disgustingly physically. thin and fragile he was yeah I mean and I don't say this as a joke that he looked the, the scene with his back his it, it back looked like looked a, all messed up it looked it looked a lot like a picture from like a holocaust victim yeah. that's the first thing I thought of and again I'm not saying that as a, as a light comparison that, that no. was the skin and bones of he, it looked a lot like I don't have anything else to compare he, it to yeah he he did something disgusting to himself to get himself into the role sure yeah by losing all the weight that he did um, but yeah I don't I think the the other thing that to me makes me think that it did happen sure um, is the fact that there's all the subplot along the way with like the Waynes and every you know the way that everything kind of plays out and every time they show anything within a like a the mental hospital sure he's in like the white clothes he's in like a white room yeah and it's that very sterile mental hospital whereas when he's first talking to that counselor and he's he's, he's in, in there he's in that office clothes, yeah. his normal street clothes it's darkly lit it like a like a right. dark walls so and everything my else. theory would basically be once he started revealing the homicidal fantasies to the original counselor he gets admitted as a danger to himself and others. Oh, okay. You see okay. what I'm saying? Because he ends up, obviously, as a patient in the hospital, right. whereas before it was outpatient counseling. That's kind of where I... I, I seems like there was a transition there to hmm. me because okay. of the stories he may have been telling her right. or the things in his journal. Um, 
Now, that's that's one theory that I have. Uh, is that he, none he, of it happened? That's she, that's one theory. And she does tell him, "Do you want to get put back in?" Yeah. And then there's like that quick flash of him like hitting his head against the window. Yeah, he was in before. He'd been in right? before. They show that. And then he's got the, and he the says again. Well, and she says in there, you know, do you know what you did to get in? Where they don't ever really reveal that. Hmm. In the movie. True. That is that is one part that was curious. They to leave me. ambiguous, so you mm-hmm. don't know if this is something with the you know, homicidal tendencies and fantasies right. that he's had before. And then there's the other issue with his mother. <laughs> I don't, again, I, so it, and I don't, I'm assuming that the abuse and everything was real. Right. When he was a child. I don't know if his mother was, a, is still alive before he killed, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if the, so he, she's got like an abusive boyfriend, right? Right. My theory is that the abusive boyfriend killed her years ago, and he's basically been like a ward of the state since mm. then, and in and out of mental and institutions. And the a hallucination. And the mother's a hallucination, and he's playing out a fantasy of killing his mother for allowing the abusive boyfriend to do what he did to him. Because that's like a, a wish fulfillment thing Interesting. on his part. I think the only reason that I wouldn't necessarily buy into that one is because... They don't go back through and show you that she was never there with any of those. They don't things the way that they the, the way that they very much right. are like, hey, this this lady that he was into, it wasn't a thing. But they show him they alone at all those points. Do do, but they also don't show when he does with the talk show host. They don't go back and show that you know, right? They but just they, put him. They back show in it the, in a way that it's like right. He. Puts himself into the audience as he's sure. watching, and then they bring you back to him sitting there. What I would assume, five minutes yeah, later. Yeah, minutes later. Yeah. And, and to me, it would be those would be the hints that it was that none of it was happening, and that they didn't want to overtly say that the rest of it wasn't happening either. Hmm. Um, my other my other thought on why the mother might not have been there is so. There's the scene where he dances with her. Right. And every other scene in the movie where he's dancing, he's dancing alone. That's the only scene in the movie where he's dancing with a person. Right. So was he also dancing alone then? And he was just imagining his mother? I mean, the the, the crazy thing about the way that this movie is done is that the whole thing... It, I mean, it's, it could be either way, right? Because yes, because yeah, like it makes sense. Everything that you're that you're thinking as you were watching it and going, I don't know if any of this was actually real, yeah. Um, and yet, it makes sense that it is real, sure. Just because the whole thing is supposed to be this story about the Joker, but in the same vein, it could be someone that is hallucinating and is making up the whole story of the Joker because they've heard the news that there is a Joker in town or because he has a name in the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, It's a very different origin story for say, a Joker. Right, because no Joker has ever been known by Arthur Fleck before, correct? If I'm right. not he's, mistaken. He's this is never a, really this had is a, a name from what I understand. I think they've given him, like, false Maybe, names. Yeah, false, yeah. Or, like, pseudonyms that he's gone by in mental institutions. It's right. never really clear if that's his actual name. But none of those names have been Arthur Fleck, to right. my understanding. Right. 
Um, I did a before the movie came out. I did because I was excited for it. Right. I did a pretty serious deep dive. Somebody did like a pretty good origin. It might have been the Ringer did like an okay. origin of the Joker. Sure. And one of those five minute videos that gives you. Oh, this was an article. This was oh, like okay. a, almost like uh, almost like one of the oral histories they do. Right. Yeah. Um, and okay. it was just of the Joker from like Cesar Romero all the sure. way down to um, Jared Leto and then and then Joaquin Phoenix. So. I believe they said that Arthur Fleck has never been used as a Joker name before, which brings me to my second theory. I have multiple working theories. You've got, you got a lot of theories here. I've got a lot going on right now. My second working theory is, okay, say that I accept it all happened, right? So my first theory and my preeminent one is that it was all fake. Mm-hmm. If I'm accepting that it all happened, my other theory is that Arthur Fleck is not actually the Joker. Not the Joker that we know. Okay. He is maybe the inspiration for whoever becomes the Joker. Because you're right, he's got the movement of the clowns, the, like, resistance coming up in Gotham. Yep. So, to me, the actual Joker would be one of those people. Because here's the thing. The Joker, while, yes, unhinged, has enough clarity and wherewithal to make plans. Sure. And I do not believe that of Arthur Fleck. No, that is that is one thing he does not seem to have. There is not so. enough coherency there to like build and play out an elaborate plan. Right. And that's always been a characteristic of the Joker. He's always had big, elaborate plans, and a lot of times they work. Right. If for no other reason, sometimes they don't work because of Batman intervention, but they it's not because of poor planning, right? right? Arthur Fleck in no way seems capable of that. Sure. And so I have a hard time believing he ever turns into the Joker that we see face off against Batman. The one thing that could lead me to believe that, though, is... That he is? Yeah, okay. that he is, is the way that he kind of has that turn when he finally decides he's going to go for it. Sure. Um, because, well, he doesn't necessarily have any grand, elaborate thing that he's trying to do. Sure. He still is able to work his way into getting onto the show and... I mean, I, he kind of fell into that. They called him. You're right. He you fell know. into that. But I had think to do was show he, up, really. He he had made the decision that things were going to be... I, I think he was going to kill himself on the show. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And then he read that joke, and I think that some of it was like, when you take away all of his meds, and he suddenly is more delusional than he was before, but maybe more... Like, maybe like he explains, maybe he has a little more clarity maybe of things. Maybe a little more lucid. And he's a little more lucid with yeah. everything that's going on with him. It's possible. Maybe that's where he kind of starts to get that stuff, because it's like you can see that twinkle in his eye as sure. he reads that joke that, uh, I hope that my death makes more sense or something. In my life. In, yeah. in my life. And it's spelled sense like money. Like money, yeah. So, and then he kind of like winks or like not winks but like just kind of grins a little bit sure. and you can tell it's like the, in that moment he's decided oh I'm not going to I'm not going to kill myself here the way that he practiced in his apartment yeah he's like I'm going to I'm going to kind of take a it's almost like he he kind of decides that he's going to take a stand about something sure and make a point despite the fact that everybody else that's kind of trying to make a point and following along with this whole clown thing they ha- he has no idea about it. He doesn't care about any of it. But and he loves the fact that he has very, created anarchy without having any attachment to it. His point... I don't even think that he loves that he created anarchy. I think he loves that people seem to like him. That may be it. I think that's all that there is to it. Because I mean, it seems like he's gone through life 
without anyone actually liking him. Right. Even his mother is kind of... I mean, there's points where she's afraid of him. Right. There's points where she's... You know, she says, you can't be a comic, you're not funny. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, she's not outright mean to him, but... But she's mean to him. But she's not great to and him. And I mean, if... And if, you've got the history yeah. of the abuse and everything. So, uh, I, I think... Well, not to mention her mental... Her mental state, which is questionable that, at best. Yeah. And so I think that he, you know, if, again, assuming this is all true in theory number two, mm-hmm. um, I think there is a moment where he decides to kill Murray instead of himself, but I think it's not to prove a point. So it's definitely not to prove the point that the other clowns. Right. It's to prove, it's basically to like, it's almost vengeance is what it yeah, felt like. like a, you like were a, mean a, to me. You guys have, you've been mean to me. I've had all of my help and assistance yes. to try and live a normal life taken away from me. Yes. Um, it's basically like you laughed at me. Yeah. And now I'm killing you because that's obviously the proportional reaction. Right. You know, to yeah. a crazy person. Exactly. Um, and so, but the other reason I think that if it is true that he's not the actual Joker is the age gap between him and Bruce Wayne would be astronomical sure. at this point. Because he's got to be 30 years older than Bruce Wayne is at this point, right? Something like that. Pretty close. Because yeah. Bruce Wayne's 10, 11. Yeah. And he looks like he's late 30s, early 40s. Unless you're trying to suspend some of that belief in that, you know, he's lived a rough life and, you know, maybe he's aged faster smokes cigarettes on or like like they're does, candy does chain smoke pretty yeah. heavily I mean at, at, still at best at best it's, it's still like 25 25 years. year difference which in which case by the time Bruce Wayne is 25 you're looking at a 50 or 60 year old Joker yeah. which is, does not seem plausible to me probably not they always seemed like more contemporaries in age right you know, not to say that they were exact same age, but you know what I mean. They seem right. more or less in the same age bracket. And this storyline, if Arthur Fleck is the actual Joker, would blow that out the window. Yeah, for sure. Um, which makes it, makes it, again, less plausible to me. Um, which could be, it could be that that's something that this is a character that eventually that would spawn the Joker. It. I'm interested to see, because I know that both the director and Joaquin Phoenix have said, you know... If someone wants to shoot a sequel to this, and we have a good story or something that makes sense, maybe we do another one. Um, Which is weird, because part of the reason that Joaquin Phoenix signed on for this one specifically was because he it was not connected to the larger DC universe, right. in which he would be obligated to appear as the Joker in other films. Right. Which is, this is a, like, like a one-off type of yes. imprint that DC is trying to do, where they can do a darker, like different the, take on, on any of their characters. It's like the, it's like the, um, like Rogue One would be to the Star Wars universe. Right. It's kind of the offshoot Right. Story. Only it's, it's not even supposed to be connected to the other at all. At all. Okay. So... There and I think that's why once they finished filming, they some of the articles that I've read said that they both have a an idea that if it was to go, if everybody wanted to do it again, that they they'd would be interested. Be interested, in maybe which I think sequel. it could be. It could be interesting to see that type of a movie and see it from the perspective, uh, like a like a regular Batman movie, but we're flipping it and seeing it as 
the Joker side of things where he is the one that you are following through the entire thing. Sure. You have those loose in and outs with Batman, Batman yeah. but he's not the focus point sure. the same way. Um, that could make a really interesting movie, I think, like kind of flipping it on, on its head. But, yeah. Um, I also think that if there wasn't anything that was made, it would it would be just fine because I, I like the fact that this movie is so different. It was visual like I literally sat there just staring at the screen yeah. because of the the visuals the music everything about it like sucked me completely into the story sure. of what was happening Thank you to Fruitful Design for supporting the Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula podcast. Fruitful Design helps businesses and nonprofits be, well, fruitful with top shelf design and strategy. Whether you need a logo, website, or anything else to promote your business, which I needed all of, Fruitful Design can help you grow. They helped me set up my website for Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula and were quick, friendly, and professional. Check Fruitful out online at www.fruitful.design. Once again, that's www.fruitful.design. My complaint is not sure. that it's poorly made. It's that it's not... In, it, I did not have a good time watching the movie. Right. Right? And at some level, that's what I'm at a movie to do. Sure. You know, and... You know, say that there's no... I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kyle's, Kyle's watch did not under, does not... Un <laughs> oh, jeez. How did that happen? <laughs> Kyle's watch didn't understand our theories, but that's okay. Um, no, I... Even if, you know, you take away... You strip away all the possible, you know, conspiracy theories about what it's actually mm -hmm. saying and what it's actually about, at the end, it's just, it's just a tough hang. Right, and it, it's a it's a very well made tough hang, but it's still it's a you know it, it might be a, a fairly I don't know if accurate's the word uh, a fairly well depicted descent into madness right, but that doesn't to me mean it's a good movie sure because what's the narrative there right like what's the actual story yeah so it's it's like a to me it's like a snapshot. Of this guy's life spiraling out of control, right? Which is fine, and it, it it strikes me like something that you would make as like a thought exercise, mm -hmm. right? To see, okay, what would it look like if we did this, right? But to me, there's no, there's not a strong enough narrative stringing it all together, right? For it to be an appealing movie, does that? Yeah, make sense? no, I mean it's not a movie that I'd be like, oh yeah, let's let's watch this, you know, once. <laughs> Once a month, it's not really you know, watchable. Right? No, it's, <laughs> I mean, if it was something that I watched it again, I would be watching it again to try and pick up any other pieces that for the maybe exclusive I purpose of being like, okay, is it all fake? Right. Is it all real? Or, what am I? Or if I've got people that I'm with that have been interested that haven't seen it, sure, I'll watch it again. But it, I mean, it's yeah, it's not. And I it's, would not. <laughs> it's not, and, and and I don't know. I just there was, and maybe it would be something that a second watch it would take away what I felt as I was going in there. Because, I, I mean, I don't... I think it's just... it's And conversely, I could see it a second time and, and it might be completely different. Knowing that it's that... Knowing that's what it is. Yeah. You know? Which I think it's hard to take a, a movie about a villain and try to make him sympathetic to a certain extent. See, and I did not and feel the sympathy for him at all. I, I didn't, but I felt... I guess I felt like a... Just like a tiny bit of, like the humanity aspect of it. Like, I did this is a human. And, yeah, at first. 
But as you further get into it, then it's it's not as much even like a sympathy, but just like a man, I feel sad for this guy that like suddenly yeah. like all of his medication is gone. Sure. Any any hope of trying to live a normal life and like even just in a kind of beaten down sure um, that's taken away from him sure. because of the unfunding that I, I love the way that that Thomas Wayne was depicted in this because he's depicted just kind of a, a jerk just as a huge dick yeah like yeah he's, absolutely he's not this great savior like, that they always talk yeah. about and and I think that it's much more realistic of what a guy like that would be um, sure. Possibly. You, I mean, if you're, it's it's fewer and further between that you would have the typical Thomas Wayne versus the versus Thomas the Wayne Thomas Wayne that you got in this in, movie, yeah. which like nine point five out of ten real life Thomas Waynes are like this movie, probably, yeah, probably. I mean, he at least to to a certain degree, sure, yeah, and, and but you also have to wonder how much of that, how much of Thomas Wayne's demeanor was because. Like, how long had Arthur Fleck and his mother been bothering the Wayne family? Sure. Because she believed that Arthur was his son. Sure. Now, did you believe that he was or wasn't? Because my brother and I came out on differing sides. I came out with, okay, the mom's crazy too, and she made it all up. He came out with, well, they made up the adoption records to cover up the illegitimate son. Right, and which both theories are kind of floated out there for you, and it's I, yeah. never really they never really tell you solidified. Um, but if you subscribe to the theory that his mom was nuts, made it all up, mm-hmm. was delusional about the the Thomas Wayne affair, then it kind of makes sense because you know you hear throughout the movie how many letters she's written to him and everything. Right, you hear throughout. Um, just kind of the extent that Arthur's trying to get in touch with him. Right. He shows up and is like being weird with the kid. Like I would probably be a dick too at that point. Yeah, right? for sure. So it's hard to say is that is he just being a jerk to Arthur right. or is he a jerk? I think that the part that to me says that he is a jerk is like the way that he goes in and he's like you know, these people out here that are just because you aren't as fortunate as me. Yeah. You're a clown. And, yeah. like, basically kicks all of the people that are unwealthy in the nuts. Yeah. And is like, so vote for me. I'm the mayor. I'm going <laughs> to fix it all. And you're like, wait, hang on. No, you're you're just as bad as... As all the other politicians, you're just trying to get yourself into a nice, nicer seat, and so in that aspect, like that's where I—that was the part that really too stuck political, for me. But does that remind you of anybody? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, that was the part that stuck for me. That was like, okay, this guy's a dick. Yeah, like, I understand sure. the aspect yeah. of him, like when he gets when when uh, Arthur corners breaks him. in and yeah. corners him in the bathroom, yeah. and he's like. Uh, get away from me. Sure. You're crazy and you were adopted and punches end up, ends up punching him in the face. Like to me that part made more sense yes. as far as him be a natural reaction when this guy comes sure. at him. For sure. Um the other part, yeah, he does he's yeah. he's kind of your rich jerk. Yeah. But I think the point where you're supposed to try and empathize with Arthur is the scene in the bathroom where he confronts him with yeah. the information. And I really did not empathize with Arthur there because I was like, yeah, you and your mom are being weirdos. Stop right. bothering this guy and his kid. Right. 
But then at the same time, it's it's not necessarily even like the empathy, but like the man, I feel bad for this guy because he can't take that hint. He doesn't get that right like, because he's it's a got sad the story. Yeah, just because he doesn't either. Either on the one side, his mother's right, and they've been done horribly wrong. Right. Or on the other side, they're so delusional and out of it that right. they can't even figure out the most obvious things in life. And so one way or another, it's a very sad story. I have a hard time feeling bad for him just because yeah. of all the things you see him do throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, I don't know. think that you're supposed to necessarily sympathize with him. At, I mean, at least the entire way through. Because there's there's definitely the turns yeah. that he makes. I mean, even in the even in the subway when he when he first murders those guys the that, are, that are or whatever, yeah. Punching him. Like the first one you can tell it he's like completely shot. Freaked out and he's he freaked just out. Just trying not to get and beat then up he's again. Just like, well now I I just gotta get go after this other one. Like you got the one guy that gets out of the subway and he chases, and he him, chases down. him down yeah. and then basically executes him. Yes. Like that's the point where the empathy is completely gone. Yeah, after the first like, guy. I don't I don't sympathize with you. Like I feel sorry for him. Yeah. But I don't sympathize with him at that point. For sure. And and then when then he goes after his mother and then that was the other thing I had a hard time and again, they maybe this is just I'm supposed to suspend disbelief. Sure. But for as frail as he is, smothering someone with a pillow is not, like, easy work. Right. Not that I would know from experience, but... It, it does not seem like it would be easy to do. Especially if someone is trying to resist what she yeah. was. I get that his mom's not, like, probably the strongest person in the world. And she's recovering from a heart attack, so... A uh, stroke. Her stroke, okay. Yeah. But he's a very, very frail individual. Right. So unless he's, like, methed out or something, which, you know, maybe that's the underlying theme that he's yeah. just, you know, completely methed out this entire movie. <laughs> Could be. Could be. And, I mean, that would explain the physique. But, yeah, um, you know, unless there's – and, you know, maybe – again, maybe I'm just supposed to suspend disbelief and be like, oh, it's an old lady and he was able – he was strong enough to right. smother her. But it seems like something he wouldn't have been able to physically accomplish right. without anyone noticing. Right. Right? I mean, it's a hospital. It didn't seem like it was, like, the middle of the night or anything. Yeah, for sure. It seemed like probably someone would have noticed. Right. And then, I mean, it's it's one of those things, I think it is supposed to be the suspended belief. Because Which is fair. He's supposed can... to be this psychotic person that's just had his break. He's done. He's free. Like... You know, and maybe it's that that whole, you know, you find, this, like, a mother that's child is trapped in a car, finds the strength to be able to, you know, flip the yeah. car over. Maybe it's, it's one of those adrenaline. types of things yeah. that, like, the adrenaline kicks in takes and he, over. he goes after. Because he takes out that, that other clown that gave him the gun at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that dude was way bigger than him. But he also... I mean, he also stabs he's, him in the He stabs neck, him in the right. Yeah. So, like, you go down was, pretty fast. It was at that a little point. bit of a surprise. Yeah. But it was a cheap shot, it was, and it's like, yeah. Though that's the issue with, like, smothering or strangling someone, it's like a sustained physical effort. Right. Whereas, like, you stab somebody in the jugular, that's kind of a one and done yeah. situation. And then he did a bunch of more stuff because he's a psycho. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, and that's, again, just a little nitpick. Right. Uh, but. One of the things I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. is what do you think happens 
with the girl after he's in the apartment because they don't show anything. Yeah. And I was under the assumption that he just killed him, her, and the and the girl. It very well could be. And my brother was like, I really hope he didn't, but it feels like there's maybe a deleted scene there where he did. That was maybe even the, too dark for the movie. It could have been, yeah. You know? It could have been. And especially with his weird, like, romantic fantas- fantasizing about her. Right. You wonder if it was even, like, darker and more grotesque than that. Right. Which they were like, yeah, maybe we cut this because we're not trying to go for, like, an NC-17 rating yeah. here. Um, but I was under the assumption that he just murdered her rather than just walking away. But my brother was saying, well, he seemed like he was... You know, kind of attached to her in terms of like emotionally, right? And so maybe he just left. He and, and that's I mean I, that's the thing that with that scene they leave it so wide open. They leave it like, really open ended because because he turns to her and he does the same same thing again with the fingers to his head that he did or that she that did she hit in the, the elevator, the, the mocking to you know blow your brain yeah, brain to down. like basically start the whole interaction in his mind with her. Um, and to me, that was the signal that he because. That was your signal that someone going to take her out. Yeah, because as someone who does not understand either jokes or social cues. And wants to be a comedian. Right. Who's laughing now? (laughs) No one. Um, (laughs) That was the funniest part of the movie. I laughed so hard, though, when he was doing the state. Like, when he actually got his jokes out, because... They're not bad jokes, <laughs> but it's the fact that he has no delivery whatsoever, yeah. and it's like he gets that it's funny, but he doesn't know how to make it funny. Um, I also don't think he gets that it's funny. I think he, I think he just is basically trying to mimic what other people yeah. are doing. Yeah. So in that aspect, he that's that's what I meant by like he, he gets, gets what's it. supposed he to be funny. He gets what's supposed to be funny. But he doesn't actually have a sense of right. humor. Well, and then I, I saw a video that um, that mentioned like the two different kinds of laughs that he had throughout the movie, yep. and the fact that he didn't really actually laugh until the very end when he says, "You wouldn't get the joke." That's the only time right. that it's an so actual it's a real, like, laugh real laugh from because something being humorous, right. not his condition. Because it's either his condition or it's the fake like he's trying like, to fit high in. pitched laugh yeah. that he's doing as he's sitting there in the comedy club and taking notes. Yeah. Or as he walks out of the office after someone said something funny and he's doing that and then he just immediately is right back to the straight faced as he walks out. Um Man, I mean, maybe some of it too for me was just that he was such a fantastic actor. Yeah, the performance was incredible. The performance mixed with the visuals and the audio, like the the tension that they built with like just having like the cello or or like the deep bass string things that just like it felt like that aspect of everything was perfect for what they were doing with the movie. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen some people that have, that have compared it to Taxi Driver as well, which sure. felt very much like it fit that. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I know not not a lot of people have seen that one, or maybe it's less people have seen it. a little older now. Um, I remember not liking that movie when I watched it either. Sure. Um, and so maybe the fact that this one was, you know, this is a comic book property yeah. that makes it a little bit <laughs> easier for me to jump in and be like, okay, I'm in, I'm in for this ride. You're right. Um, but knowing also that it's supposed to be kind of like Taxi Driver, um, from that aspect, it 
it kind of was like, okay, I kind of know what to expect. I don't think that this is going to be something that's going to have any good ending or anything. So maybe that kind of helped yeah. paint my, and my expectations even, with it. I don't even know if I was... I, I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting a happy ending. Right. I was just expecting some sort of coherent plot, I guess. Right. Which I didn't really get. Yeah. Um, Other than, hey, here's point A is where he starts. Yeah. Point B is where you know he's going to get, and you're just going to basically walk, watch him walk that straight line to it. So there wasn't yeah, really... There wasn't like a, there wasn't like a narrative right. to the movie. The only, the only twists or narratives that there was was the... The whole thing the, with like his his mom and the the Waynes and whether or not he actually was right. Thomas's and kid. the hallucinations and, of yeah. okay he's not really with this girl right that type of thing that was yeah that was the biggest those two were the biggest twists for me for sure but they still they also didn't they fit along with just that point A to point B well and they didn't pay off in any way yeah. right you know it, it it other than to just kind of set him up. For they just, just being more unhappy than he already was. Right. They didn't. They didn't really further the plot except for to show his loose grip on reality. Right. 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 And, and maybe to show, okay, this wasn't all necessarily his fault. He was raised in the situation right. where his mother obviously didn't have a firm grip on reality. And he obviously had the abuse and everything there right. as well, which leads to not having a real firm grip on reality because you're not that I'm a psychologist or anything, but a lot of kids from that those situations have escape fantasies right. and that type of thing. Right. So obviously he was set up to not have a real strong grasp on things. Yeah. But and so it, it kind of further establishes that part of it. But I just didn't feel Again, it just felt like two hours of this is this guy going from normal crazy person to homicidal crazy person. Right. But what am I supposed to have gained here? You know, like what yeah. is what am I supposed to have gotten out of this? Right. And I don't feel like much. Which I mean, I think I think if anything, the the bigger key takeaways that you could take is you know mental health isn't something that should be just you know set aside or sure. something that we shouldn't be concerned about because it is something that a lot of people suffer from and I think I think it, things are so much better now than they ever have been as far as like sure. accepting that mental the, illness the, is the stigma yeah, has the gone, stigma down, has quite gone a bit. down a bit um, but I mean there still are people that are that are poor that are in situations where they don't have a way of being able to get the help that they need to be treated and yeah. treated and, and whatnot. So, and just because you can get treated doesn't mean that it's necessarily always going to work either. Yeah. So, just because you have uh, access to treatment yeah, doesn't mean it fixes it. doesn't mean it. that it's, it's yeah. going to be gone or whatever. Sure. So, um, with a lot I mean, of these things, there's not a cure so much as just management. Right. right. It's right. It's kind of a, hey, now I can be functional, but... Yeah, and I understand what my sickness is, so now I can you, yeah, try and, yeah, and at least manage it. You know, if you've, got, if you've got triggers, and yeah, you avoid the triggers exactly. and that type of thing. But, um, yes, and it's, you know, you know, if the point was to, you know, uh, I guess, give a picture of the effects that, you know, uh, the marginalized... Sure. Can, or the effects on the marginalized that society can have when they, you know, are not able to, 
you know, in Gotham's case, not able to financially help with those issues anymore. You know, I don't know if it's supposed to be an allegory for that, like in the broader context of America and that type of thing. Um, I heard somebody say that, um, and again, not trying to be political, I just thought it was kind of a funny take. Sure. That the Joker was Trump. Interesting. And that he was just like slowly going mad in front of everyone's eyes and he didn't really have a point and mm-hmm. but he still had all of these followers that thought he was making their point right and that's what you get at the end which i yep. thought was amusing and kind of funny yeah. and not entirely inaccurate but that's true i mean that could, that could very well could very well be a be a point that they were trying to make uh, which wouldn't surprise me I mean you get a lot a lot of times movies make political statements right. and that type of thing but um, which if that's the case then you've got kind of the dual edged sword of okay it's making a commentary about the politics of America as well as you know the cutting back of social services right. and the effect it has on the marginalized that type of thing that's not the vibe I got from the movie that's no. not I don't to me it, to me, it purpose—it felt like they purposefully made it without a quote-unquote point, as I right. would, as I would say it. Um, I think that's accurate. From the things I've heard from Todd Phillips, that yeah. seems kind of what he was going for. Well, I saw something that that he had mentioned that some of it was maybe supposed to be a critique on just how you can't be funny anymore because yes. now comedians are all just like, oh, everything's terrible and I hate it, so. Well, like, with, like, the cancel culture or yeah. whatever, you know, you had the guy on, well, what was his name, Shane Gillis, I think, on Saturday Night Live that he got hired by Saturday Night Live. I don't think he ever actually performed because after he got hired, some podcast came out of right. him with some racially insensitive comments and stuff like right. that. And so you open up the debate of, you know, where do you draw the line in terms of is it just on stage? If they're doing stand-up comedy, then, you know, you can take the gloves off and, and get after it and whatever. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, is it any platform any where platform. you're trying exactly. to be comedic? And then you have other people like, I mean, I think, <laughs> and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just being a jerk. I just think Todd Phillips is not clever enough to be funny in, in today's culture. Um, I liked the Hangover, the first Hangover. I, mm-hmm. the other, I didn't see the other two because comedy sequels are usually really bad. Right. Uh, I saw the second one. I didn't see the third one. So I didn't bother, yeah. right? Uh, but I get the feeling that, and again, I liked all these movies too, but you look at like the, what was it, the Brat Pack movies, like, you know, with like, whether it's Hangover, which isn't exactly them, but, you know, right. Hangover, old school, you know, mm-hmm. that whole genre, Wedding Crashers, right. that whole genre of movies where yeah. it's just kind of raunchy bro comedy, mm-hmm. right? And for the most part, a lot of that you you really can't do anymore. Right. You know, there's a lot of that. There's like, yeah, that's not cool. You know, you, it's true. And I don't necessarily think that's a good or bad thing either way. Um, I think that there's a, those are things you shouldn't do in real life, right? Yeah, for, for sure. sure. But the argument is, can you not depict them in movies either? Yeah. Or can you not laugh at them? Yeah. Um, and in certain cases, I think you shouldn't laugh at them. And right. in certain cases, I think maybe we went too far. But it's a very fluid line in conversation. Yeah. But I think a guy like Todd Phillips isn't funny enough to overcome that. Whereas you look at... 
because his comedy is wheelhouse. That's what is his, that kind that of is stuff. his wheelhouse, yeah. and he's not clever enough to come up with something else. And right. so he whines and complains about it, and is like, "Well, I'm going to make a dark movie instead." And that's right. why. That's, and that's why I say, I feel like he made it to have no point on purpose. He was right. almost like him lashing out at very know, well could be society. Yeah. Whereas you have a guy like Dave Chappelle, for instance, mm-hmm. which I get Dave Chappelle's like as good as it's ever been in terms of stand-up comedy, right. right? So it's hard to compare anyone to Dave Chappelle, but you take a guy like that and he is able to transcend the cancel culture, right? Right. I don't know. Have you seen his new stand-up? I haven't. I've, I saw the first batch, I think. Of him coming back. Second, this is the second set of stand-up that he put out and I haven't seen them and so he's you know he goes after everybody Mm -hmm. and his philosophy is basically if I make fun of everybody equally I'm not biased against anybody right true and he pretty much does that he goes after every ethnicity you can think of (laughs) he goes after uh, every um, you know trans gay, straight, he goes after everybody, right? Yep. And it was funny. It was, it was, he got a lot of backlash for it, but at the same time, it's hard to say that he's biased because again, he makes fun of everyone. Right. And then he, the part about it that I liked the most was there's this like 15 minutes at the end of the special, right? So after the credits and it's video of him like going in places and like working out his set before the specials aired. And it's, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I know I've talked to other people about it, but he is in this club. I think he's in San Francisco, he said, working out some of his sets. And there's a trans woman that's at every single show that week. Okay. And he gets to like Thursday and he's like, man, this is the night I'm supposed to work out my trans material. (laughs) And there's this trans lady right in the front row, just like she has been all week. And he's like trying to decide if he should do it or not. Right. Because that's super awkward. And he's like, F it, I'm Dave Chappelle, it's what I do. Yeah. Right? So he goes out and he does, you know, 30 minutes worth of trans jokes, which not all of them are in the special, but, you know, there sure. are some. And the uh, the trans woman comes up to him after the, the show and, and, you know, he says that she was laughing harder than anybody at the trans jokes and that she came up to him after the show and, and asked him to have a beer with her. And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? And so, and then she goes and she thanks him for making jokes about trans people. She said, I want to thank you because it normalizes us to people. Sure. And he's like, you know, it's funny. When I make fun of races, when I make fun of different races, when I make fun of black people, white people, Asian people, whatever, people say it normalizes race. It's good for the country. When I make fun of trans people, they don't say that. He's like, what's the difference? You know, and so he, to me, is smart enough and clever enough to use comedy and to overcome the cancel culture and, sure. and all of those things, even while still touching on very sensitive topics, right. right? He's smart enough and good enough and funny enough and clever enough to do those things. Yeah. I don't think Todd Phillips is. I don't, I don't think he necessarily is either. So And so bringing that all the way back around to Joker... 
maybe it is a commentary on society about how he can't be funny anymore. Right. And it's almost just like a middle finger to the industry that he can't be funny anymore. And he's like, yeah. you don't want me to make a funny, enjoyable, easy to watch movie? I'm going to make the hardest movie to watch that I possibly can. Yeah. And he did his, he did his best. He, <laughs> you did. Know, he, he, he did. took a pretty good hack at it. Yeah. There were, <laughs> I mean, there were definitely parts in that that were very, I was very uncomfortable sitting there watching. Yeah. Hey everybody. I wanted to, tell you about my friend Janae at Creative Hair Design. She is simply the best in the business. Whether you need a men's haircut and beard trim like I get once every three weeks, or if you need a women's cut, hair color, or extensions, Janae will take care of you. I went in and got my haircut and beard trimmed literally the day before my wedding, and Janae had me looking my very best for my big day. And she'll do the same for you. Give Janae a call at Creative Hair Design at 402-330-5660 to schedule an appointment. Again, that's Janae at Creative Hair Design, 402-330-5660. I promise you will not regret it. It's one of those things, too, that, like, it's it's also weird how the media portrays everything with it. Sure. Because they... Tried stirring it up so much that it's like this movie that's going to trigger all these people, and sure. that, that we're afraid that there are going to be people that are going to be there's going to be shootings at the theaters it's because inspire it's going to inspire copycats or whatever copycats or yeah. anything. And I'm like, number one, all the people that are saying like it's going to inspire copycats, I don't think that they're watching the movie because there's not really like the whole thing doesn't doesn't make you feel like. Oh, he's like a hero. Like, yeah, at no you point think are you like, hero, I want to be like the Joker. Yeah, if you think that he's the hero at the end of the movie, then you already are like in that mindset. The movie right. isn't going to change any of that for you. And if anything, I think the movie reinforces that. Right. Whereas like, hey, if you're going to turn into a psycho serial killer, probably nothing along the way is going to stop that. Yeah. Right? And, exactly. and that's... That's kind of, I had this I actually had this discussion with my brother because he wasn't sure if he wanted to go see it because mm-hmm. of all this stuff, right? And I was like, listen, I feel like if people are going to, if that's who they are and who they're going to be, yes, there's a lot of times like abuse and mistreatment and stuff along the way that sure. gets them there. I don't usually think that a media product is what they're, right. I don't think you take a normal person, show them a movie and now they say I want to go shoot people you have somebody that wants to go shoot people already sees the movie and then goes and shoots people but there was going to be that precipitating event at some point anyway yeah that that was already something that's a it's the same it thing. It would have found a reason yeah. regardless. It's the same thing like saying that, that playing video games with guns are what causes you to go out and do something like that. And I'm like, there's a, there's a large amount of people that play those video games that are not doing things. Right. Because they're normal people and they now, understand there is the a suspense people, of The people reality. that are predispositioned to want to shoot people probably are attracted to those games because it's it's a wish fulfillment on some level, right? It could be, yeah. But it's not that the game It's not the cause causing it. Yeah, it's yeah. not the games cause that desire, it's that the desire causes them to go right. to those games. And so it's same th- yeah, to same me, thing. To me the media whether it's video games, movies, music, whatever, 
if that wasn't the precipitating event, something else would be. Right. It would be some bully beating them up on a subway, or right. it would be something would get them there. There is something if else they were predispositioned, somebody in that position to put them in that mindset that they're capable of yeah. something like that. Right. Exactly. And. So I, I really don't. I'm not here for the excuses about. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to cause a whole right generation. But it's it's of, the way that the media likes to do everything because they sure. like to make it this this paranoia and spin it up as this is a yeah. dangerous movie. Um, I understand the theaters putting the signs on the doors that said, "Hey, parents, don't bring your kids into this movie. I, this is not a Batman movie. Yeah. Do not bring them. One hundred percent movie. Don't that is." But I mean, seeing that, don't bring a that child this, to the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was. I think I was in this really weird spot because I'd seen different things that people had talked about with like mental illness, like even people that that on social media were talking about like, "Hey, I really liked this movie because it expressed something about mental illness that a lot of people don't see." Um, I know that there are some people that it probably would be more triggering for too, but. There was yeah. there was a little bit of that that I had seen on social media, um, hearing the different things that you know news outlets were saying about it, and you know the calls to have the movie banned and removed from things, sure, and and just all of that. And then I went like at three thirty in the afternoon on a Tuesday, where there was like ten other people in the movie yeah. theater, and it was so it was like a different part of my day that I typically wouldn't <laughs> have. I just sure. I got out of work a little bit early and was like, I'm gonna go do this. Um, so like I already had like this my whole day was kind of weird because I was in this situation so I already kind of felt like I was a little off anyway and watching it just felt like it and maybe some of that had something to do with it too that it just felt like it fit and I was already kind of on that like little bit of high strung feeling (laughs) walking into it Um, I, I literally I walked out of the theater and I sat in my car for 10 minutes afterwards just trying to process everything because it was <laughs> there was so much visually and, and everything was. else there that was, was thrown a, at you. There was a lot to digest in the movie. Yeah. And I, for one, did not love the portrayal of mental illness because, to me, it almost went back to that stigma of, like, okay, if you see a counselor, if you take medication for oh, that, sure. you're a crazy person. You're, you're you know... You're two pills away from going on a killing spree. Sure. So I didn't. Love, I get that. I didn't love that. I, um, to some degree, I think that's because of the time period that they set the movie in. As sure. Well. But I could see that as well. And, and listen, I'm not one of those people that says you have to go back and like. I, I believe in a race history. Yes, I believe yeah, to no. a certain extent, like you know, acknowledgments of things that were going on at the sure. time. You know, especially when you're watching, say you're watching a movie from, you know, the 80s, they're probably going to use certain words that we don't use anymore to describe different sets of people. And, okay, do you cancel the whole movie because of that? I say no, because that was the time they were living in. Exactly. Like, it's, and I don't want to make excuses for people, but it's, it's, there wasn't this awareness of... Hey, like that's not a cool. That's not an okay term to use. That's not, you know. And so, exactly. I think there's a certain extent of that. And so, you know, how do you reconcile that with movies that are made now but set in an older time? Right. That gets a little trickier for me. I think the one thing that I do like about the portrayal was that I don't know that, like, 
counselors that are like state counselors or whatnot, like like that lady was that he was sitting in her sure. office. I don't think that they work in that way anymore. I don't think they sit there and you know, like you can tell, basically, barely. She has no idea. She has no want to be there. She's not listening. He even calls her out on it, not trying to be helpful. Really, in the way that was like one of his maybe most lucid points in the movie is when he's sitting there before she tells him that they're defunding everything. He goes, I come in here every day and I or every week and I tell you this and I just told you something and you aren't even listening to me. Um, and I think that's a that's a part that's definitely changed. Like I don't think that I don't think that there are as many people that are vocationally doing that um, that don't that are have, not invested that are not in invested yeah. at yeah. least a little bit because I don't think you can do that job not long term not, that's a, and not in the way that that everybody looks no. at, at mental health today anyway. I don't think that people I, I don't think that you can survive in that kind of job and fake that without. For, for very long at all. The other part that I was wondering, uh, specifically in that instance, but also kind of when we were talking about Bruce or uh, Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. and then some of the other interactions with people, even when we were like with Murray, right? How much of how much of the way they came off was how they were actually acting and how it was being received by Arthur? Because there's. Yeah. You know, maybe she was listening, but but maybe he just in his mind it wasn't to an acceptable level, or she wasn't engaging with him on a level that he felt was acceptable. But she was actually there and present, and what we're seeing is just what he saw. Yeah. Or with Thomas Wayne, you know, like maybe he was being a lot more belligerent than is portrayed. Right. And we're maybe just seeing a swing his Thomas. side of the story. Yeah. You know, maybe he got a little too close, right. and that's why he gets punched in the nose. Maybe he made a, you know, there's, I think there's a certain amount that's unseen. Because yeah. we're seeing it through his life, right? That's true. Because, I mean, we've already established that we were watching throughout. Hallucinations. The hallucinations. No. Um so that's I, an interesting thought. So you wonder, you know, maybe she was engaged, maybe she was trying to help, and he just wasn't processing it right. that way, you know, or, you know, maybe the even the guys on the subway, maybe they, maybe he felt antagonized like were, yeah. when that wasn't necessarily the case, right? You know, and so and so you the whole movie is kind of just a mind f that way yeah. <laughs> because. <laughs> Because you don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah. You don't know, is this... Because we already, we've established we have an unreliable narrator, right? He's the he's right. pushing the story along. He's not a narrator in like the Morgan Freeman, Shawshank type, but right. he's essentially but your narrator. We're looking at it through his... Through his... Prism of life. Perspective, We're not seeing right? anybody else's perspectives. You know, we follow him throughout right. the movie. There's not, there's not any point that they show anything that does not have him in it. Yeah, I mean, I he's in every scene. Scene, he I is. Think, he basically. is literally the focus point of every scene. Yeah. Like now they may cut away from they him. They cut away from him. The but scene. He's in the scene. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's a I scene in the movie that he is not literally in every scene. So you have a, an established, unreliable, reliable sure. narrator. So you know that can feed into either my none of it's real theory or yeah. it's all real. But how is it? But what? How? How? It's real to him. But in how the relative sense that, and real is it? But how is yeah. it actually being? played out versus how he's perceiving it being played out, right? Interesting. Because, I mean, even I've had situations where somebody will say something to me 
I'm misinterpreting or take it the wrong way. Right. And, you know, I'll be cranky at this person because I thought they were, especially like over a text or something yeah. where it's real ambiguous. But if you're mentally unstable in, in mm-hmm. to his degree, I imagine a lot of things are, are kind of right. ambiguous. So you wonder how much of that is, in fact, how people were treating him and right. more and, and on how much of it was just the way he felt he was being treated. Man, see that, and that's the kind of question that like makes me want to watch it over again. Just from the standpoint of, I already know everything that's like happened. Yeah. So now I can watch it and like think differently right. about it instead of like because like the first time it, you watch a movie yeah. to see like okay what's going to happen. You're consuming it and, and wondering and okay when what you happens. Watch it multiple times. You're like okay what does it mean? Yeah. And I don't know that I'm willing to sit through it multiple sure. times. <laughs> I, and I agree, but it's it's one of those that like. But that if there was a reason I would, it would be to try and pick up on more of those things, right? And there's enough that's left open ended in this movie that you could you could watch it a few times and maybe come away thinking pick up a quite little a bit, bit more different, stuff, yeah, right, yeah. And so that would be. I'm certainly not going to pay for it again, but maybe if it comes out on right, one yeah. of the streaming services, uh, all. You know, fast forward through some of the parts that are tougher to watch. Right. But that would be interesting. Or I'll just have you do it and come and talk to me about it. (laughs) I will say the one part that I hated the most in the movie was at the very end, as everything is descending into riots and chaos that has ensued from him shooting the TV media head. Yeah. um, And he's... Get his car that he's in the back of the police cruiser hits him. Yeah, and they pull him out. He's laying on the top of it, and then they show the Waynes coming out of a movie theater and ducking into an alley to try and get away from everything that's going on. Right, and then they have to show the Batman origin moment. Right, that pissed me off so much. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's it's like having to watch Spider-Man and see him get bit by the spider sure. again sure. and again and again. Everybody knows what Batman's origin is. Especially in a movie that is so not focused on Batman. Right. Or on Bruce Wayne specifically. The only way that that would have made sense and I was I was like is it as Arthur soon as I saw it? them come out of the theater I was like Oh man, is Arthur and and that was something that I had thought earlier after yeah. the after he punches and him I in the nose. I think that like, rumor was out there as well. Does he go after him? Because to me, that makes that, that would an make, interesting that would scene. Because then it's like, oh, the whole thing. And honestly, that would be it would make sense with that being the point of the movie, right? Yeah. In terms of that, would give it like a narrative thread, and I get that they didn't want it connected to the rest of the universe but by doing right. that by having them be by having the right. parents killed anyway they do connect it to the rest of the universe if, if he so goes you might as well it. do it in an interesting way yeah because if he goes and he's the one that kills Thomas and Martha Wayne then you you could even do that sequel movie where it is still you are following your quote unquote protagonist sure. who is Arthur yeah and now suddenly his quote unquote antagonist is Batman right coming into the scene and trying to be a force for good and that's where the conflict comes but you can see it from his side of things and you know even thinking oh this is the you know if it's something where he finds out that it was the kid that was Thomas Wayne's kid then that just 
sends him even further into the right. chaos. And it would and make everything. sense with you know the scene earlier where, like you said, he gets punched in the face, so he's mad at right. Thomas anyway. Thomas calls and, his mom crazy, yeah, and denies that he's his son. So you could understand the bitterness of of Arthur right. towards Bruce to say, oh well, he could blame Bruce for taking away his parents. Right, and so he's taking away Bruce, Bruce's parents. Right, and maybe leaves you with that one only, like really, like I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like moral decision that he would make, but to not kill Bruce standing there in the alley too. Sure, like that whole conflict because he's already had that interaction with the kid at the gate. Yeah, you know, there's so there's like that whole aspect of that would make or, it a really interesting way to do it, but or to just even if it was. Not a moral decision to leave him alive, but as a, like a punishment of like now yeah. you have to grow up without. Parents. Now you got to grow up like I did. Yes. Yeah. You like know? it makes it a, that much more of an interesting. And that would, like I said, that makes it feel like the movie has a point. Yeah. You know, it was his vengeance against Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Sure, that makes that makes sense. It's still a tough movie to watch, but at least there's something. At least there's something that you're like, like okay, threading it a- all together. Now I see why we... Like, why did I endure of, Why this? did we make this movie? Yes. Like, what... Focusing on this guy. Right. Yeah. Where at this point, it's like, this is... There's no... There was no story to tell. Why would... Why tell the story of this particular... What makes him interesting as opposed to some other random serial killer? You right. Know, why am I watching right. this guy descend into madness as opposed to anyone else who's experienced something like that? Like, right. what is the point... You know, and that would have given you the point. It would have, yeah. That would have given you the exclamation mark at the end of the at the end of the yep. story, and you're like, okay, I get it now. This is why we were here, right? Whereas as it was, it felt the randomness of it felt the exact same as the incoherentness of the entire movie, right? And so maybe it was more fitting that way in because, terms yeah. of of the overall th- vibe of the movie. But again, to me, that's just another conscious decision by Todd Phillips. Uh, like this is to me, this is very much he wanted a movie that didn't necessarily make sense, right? And I think he accomplished that. But to me, that's a bad movie. <laughs> you yeah, know? like that's tough. As well as it is made in terms of as everything you talked about, right? Uh, the acting, the visual, even the music. Even though I know there was a controversy about one of the songs that was in there, um, really, which. Yeah, the um, the song that they're playing, I don't remember the name of it. It's like rock and roll number two or something. It's a song he's playing while he's dancing down the stairs. Oh, okay. It's like the... Da, 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 yeah. Hey. Apparently that song was written by like a known like child molester. And he got arrested, I don't know, 20 years ago. And so they like stopped playing that song at like all games ever. It used to be like a staple of like yeah. football games and stuff. And now no one plays it. It's like on a banned list. I had no idea. I didn't either. Makes sense now because I have not heard that song in for years, right? But he got, yeah, he got arrested and basically he got canceled, which I'm sure was not an accident by Todd Phillips to be like, why are we going around canceling all these people? Surprised he didn't have like a Bill Cosby bit and a Michael Jackson (laughs) song in there, you know? Like, I get. To me, that was more of his point was... Right. It just, like like you said, this outlash against, you know, cancel culture and its effect on comedy, where it seems like he wants to be, 
and that's a bad movie. <laughs> like that's not a good like to use this right vehicle to make that this, point. This is not a good vehicle for for that, that point conversation. Yeah. You know, that's a that's an entirely and that's an entirely we, different. We don't conversation. have enough time for that we conversation. Don't. We don't. Oh man! But that's what it felt like when that song was in there. That felt like just like another middle finger okay. to. Hollywood and all these types where and you won't it's almost <laughs> the more he like gets mad about this it's like okay so what have you done that we don't know yet because that's what it feels like he's like, there is some of that yeah, you know? it's yeah. Like, so this feels like a guy that's I don't feel like he's taking a moral stand here right. for the soul of comedy I feel right. like he's trying to change the culture before his garbage comes out <laughs> very well I mean it's it's Hollywood, so there's, just expect there's most garbage people, everywhere. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting twist. I did not know that. I think I had seen some headline or something, yeah. but I wasn't I wasn't entirely excited to go and see this movie. Sure. Like from the beginning, I don't even know if I saw anything other than like the like that really small, quick introduction yep. trailer that they'd had that was like 30 seconds or something. See, we had um, basically exact opposite the exact experience. Opposite experience. <laughs> yeah. As far as the expectation and yeah. then what, and then how we and felt the, about yeah. it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So I was very excited to go see the movie and came out just wildly disappointed and you had almost had zero s- interest I in it. I think that's something that's interesting. That can Which happen. that might be part of it too. You know, if you set that expectation at such a high level for for certain things, like, and I don't you know, can, that my expectations were high. I was just right, excited. But like, to if see there's it, if right. there's an excitement and then it doesn't end up being, you know, what kind you of what you were for. hoping yeah. for. I mean, like, I'm not one of those people that expected him to be Heath Ledger. Sure, because I just that's the epitome of the Joker. That's the pinnacle. It's the, you know, it's the Michael Jordan of villain performances. I think think that this is a very close, like, they're very different. I think in terms of, like, actual acting job, Joaquin Phoenix was close. Yes. I think Heath Ledger's was just a much better portrayal of the Joker. It was a better portrayal that fit into, and definitely fit into into the the larger theme theme of what Joker is. The Batman Joker narrative, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of pure acting performance, pure they're probably performance, close. They're very close, and but in terms of being the Joker, yeah, Heath. I mean, not, Heath Ledger is, is not is in number the, one. Yeah, nothing's yeah. in the neighborhood. I think that I, to me, this one he almost stands there, like right behind him as number two, and maybe some of it's just because the whole focus is on him. Maybe and so it's just like you watch two hours of Joaquin Phoenix playing this character. Like I would have killed. For a two-hour movie of Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Oh yeah, that would have been that interesting. That would have been see. phenomenal. But, but then again, there's so much more of the mystery of there is. his character there that is. if you had the two hours of watching Heath Ledger's Joker, it may take away some of the it some might. of the magic of him it might. in the fact that there's so much mystery around him. There is. And that's almost the exact opposite with this one, where you're like, hey, there's not as much mystery because... I would disagree, though. I think well, there's there, I mean, just as much mystery right. because it's a completely unreliable you know narrative. Yeah. Because you have no idea... You what have three different dire- three or four different directions it could have gone. So you're right, yeah. I mean, I think you could pull it off, especially if Christopher Nolan was involved. I think you could have pulled off a... Oh, man. A Joker, a Heath Ledger-driven Joker vehicle that would have been... Yeah. Both still leaving the mystery of the Joker, but also just phenomenal in terms of its 
just performance and story and I I would have well, kept, Christopher Nolan's on another I mean I would have I would have yeah I mean comparing Todd Phillips to Christopher Nolan is like is not <laughs> that's not fair to anybody I mean, involved I will say for for like directing and, and I mean it's hard to it's hard to know how much is directing and how much is the actor too because you could say sure. hey watching this movie Todd Phillips I mean Regardless of whether you think that there was any any type of point to it sure. or what the what, what his the motivations was, what his motivations were, it's a phenomenal like spectacle to watch. Sure, um, yeah, and and the way that he directed and and you know it's again how much is it Joaquin Phoenix? How right. much is it the actual director? Yeah. Um, it may lean more to the fact that he had a very talented actor that. Just yeah, sunk himself into it and which is put kind together of a performance that was what fantastic. you hear about Walking Phoenix yeah. is that that's kind of what he does. Yeah, and that makes sense. Most movies that I've seen him in, he's been pretty. Yeah, even pretty if fantastic, even if the movie's weird or yeah. he's got a weird role, he's good in everything. I mean, yeah. he's a really he's a really phenomenal actor. He is. It's just, are the movies good? And I right. think a lot of times the answer is no. There may, yeah, there may not be as many of them that are as good in the same right. way. Um, and or probably, that he has as big a role in sure. that are good. And probably the ones that I like the most that he's in, he probably doesn't enjoy. <laughs> in terms of, like, Walk the Line. Oh, that was fantastic. He was phenomenal in that movie. Um, and the singing is incredible. Yeah. The fact that that's actually him is yes. unreal. And then... I also Gladiator is like one of my favorite movies. Yes, and he's he plays like the conniving villain incredibly yep. well in that movie. He right? does, yeah. And I had a hard time watching him in anything else after that. After that, because yeah. I was like, I hate you so much. And I think I, I think the first thing that I really saw him in and like like registered, oh, that's him. Yeah. was Signs. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a completely then, different character in Signs. Exactly. Yeah. And then and he's this. He's I forgot just he was the, in Signs. The lovable goofy <laughs> uncle that's that's hanging out in, yeah. in the closet with the TV hiding from aliens and then <laughs> and then I see Gladiator and I'm like wait this is the same right? dude yeah what right uh, so yeah I have no I have no qualms with his acting yeah. performance and I tend to lean that it was more him than I would Phillips agree. based um, on his his record yes based on his record versus Phillips record yeah. I I lean I lean Phoenix there and I think you know, I get that Phillips still co-wrote the movie and sure. shot the movie. You know, so yeah. there's there's part of his talent there being on display. Right. Uh, I think the writing left quite a bit to be desired yeah. in terms of the actual story, and that's that's kind of where I land. And I mean, you you get a you get an actor that's puts together a performance like he did. He probably just said, "Hey, start doing stuff." I'm just gonna roll the cameras. Like I, I wonder how much of that was was like 100 percent in the script, or like some of those moments where he's kind of doing little things that you're just. Like, I'm guessing a lot. Most of the weirdness of the role was, was Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, and it's unfortunate in my mind. I find it unfortunate that that performance was wasted on a subpar story. Right. You know, if you could get that performance in a more compelling narrative, right. then you've obviously really got something. Yeah. Whereas this, I think, ultimately will be more or less forgettable in terms of its bigger picture in movies. Right. 
Whereas, like, The Dark Knight stands the test of time because it's a good narrative. It's a good movie. And it's, a good story, it's got an incredible performance, performance within yeah. it. Right? It's like why Dark Knight Rises is forgettable. Yeah. Versus The Dark Knight being, you know, on another Which level. Which is so unfortunate because uh, Tom Bane's Hardy is such a good great, character, too. And I think that... I think that what Tom Hardy did in that movie, they they didn't give him enough. No, and, then, and the it's twist tough. that they wanted to use with it, I think, kind of cuts his performance and him as a villain. Like now, just basically cuts the knee, cuts him off at the knees. Yeah, and that third, or that there third were, act, they were trying to do too much with that movie. Yeah. I thought with the. Um, Talia Al Ghul and the the Bane storylines and there's a lot of that the movie probably Bruce Wayne the that the, probably yeah. should have been two separate movies there was yeah. too much there you probably needed to split that right or just make like a four hour movie right <laughs> but but I think he wanted to just tie up everything so that it had yes. a clean cut and the ending and and I get that I get yeah. that desire it's just. I almost regret that he used Bane to do it. Yeah. Because I feel like Bane is interesting enough on his own. Right. To, to not give him more. It and not worked. have him be the big bad. Yeah, right? it worked, but you just... You, you could have cut used, off what Bane was. Yes. And you could have used quite a bit more in terms of... Like, I still don't know why all of the workers for him had such an undying devotion, right? Right. You know, yeah. are they the people that he freed from the prison? We don't really know. That's kind of the assumption I make. Yeah. Because why else would they? But you don't have, you know, there's a lot of those things within the story. Like, right. it ties up the trilogy well, but Puts there's... a nice little bow on it. But, but there's yeah. lines within the third movie itself that it leaves kind of unfulfilled. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just too much that they threw in there. Yeah. You know, Gordon's, you know, suddenly shamed for what he did. Yeah. You got Batman who's who's old and retired that comes out of retirement, the Catwoman. You've got uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's apparently Robin. Robin. Yeah. You know, and so you've got, a, they, there was, they had a lot of balls in the air on that yeah. one. And it, which is unfortunate. It was one of those things that, yeah, it definitely could have been something that you could have some of those things start maybe in an earlier movie. Sure. And revisit. But sure. Which, again, I still like The Dark Knight Rises, yeah. but there's a reason The Dark Knight is remembered one way and The Dark Knight yeah. Rises is remembered another way. It's because the story is a little convoluted and harder to follow. Right. To me, that's going to be end up being the same situation with The Joker, where you do have this amazing performance. But the storyline yeah. isn't compelling enough. Exactly. So where that in, in the Joker, the storyline to me isn't compelling enough to carry it. And the Dark Knight Rises, the story is not clear enough. Yeah, to it's carry just, it. It's I, muddy. It's, it's very muddy and, and convoluted. I think it's a very compelling story with Bane. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. It's just if you it's tell too it, much yes. that's told in the time that they that's allotted it. for yeah. it, right? And so, just it didn't work that way. I think it's kind of the same way with the Joker, where the story just doesn't yeah. totally work because there is not really a story. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Well, that's about 85 minutes on the Joker. Yeah. Um, I think there's a rule in podcasts that the podcast about the movie can't be longer than the movie. Right. So we should probably cut off now because we've only got about Makes a half sense. hour left. Yeah. Before we yeah. before we get into the danger zone yeah. there. Uh, anything? Any final thoughts? 
Um, no, I mean, I think we, I think I've said them. If anything that I've said, I've already said <laughs> a couple times. Probably we covered at this point. pretty thoroughly. I think. Um, yeah, we we both are. are we ended up on different sides of things. Ended but. up on different sides of the aisle on that one, but that's okay. That's it makes why it more compelling. Yeah, exactly. Right? If we were both in here, just like that was terrible. I hated it. Much shorter podcast, right? <laughs> or if we're both in here, like we love it. It's there's there's no conversation. Exactly. There's or not lot, as engaging conversation. There's a lot say. less to dissect there. So, yeah. Kyle, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to me. Uh, make sure you go check out meninatub.com. You yep. can also follow them on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Anything else? Twitter. Twitter. On there. Yeah. Uh, that they're, they're every Thursday at 9 o'clock. They go live. Yep. And it's terrific stuff, so make sure you follow them. Yep. And then you can always follow Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Do all those things. All of them multiple times. And as we said at the beginning, if you don't have time to listen, be a good friend. Listen on mute. Yeah. Give me those plays. Uh, just put a loop. Just put it on repeat. Yeah. You know, just 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 crank those numbers up. All right. It's like it's like five or six new <laughs> listens in a day. Absolutely. So uh, you can do all those things. You can find me on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula. Go like my page, then go over to Men in the Tub, like their page. You can find me on Twitter at RALula and on my website, RavilulaRadio.com. And if you want to hear more sportsy things, you can always listen to me on the Creighton Athletics Hour every Wednesday from 6 to 7 on 1620 The Zone as well. So lots of places to find me, lots of places to find Kyle and the Men in the Tub crew. We definitely appreciate him coming in, and we will let you know if I'm going to join him again anytime soon. That's always fun as well. Yes. We appreciate your time, and hopefully you know more about the Joker than you did before, or at least got through an hour and a half of your work day without noticing that it was an hour and a half of your work day. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you soon.